So many of you are probably familiar with the 2014 movie smash hit Ex Machina, exploring the implications of artificial intelligence. But what are the real implications of artificial intelligence? Well, that is a conversation I'm going to be having today with Taylor McCorkle. Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and today I'm joined by your AI assistant, Taylor McCorkle. Hey, Taylor. So uh, what brings you into, I guess, the studio for today? <laughs> uh, last week, you guys watched uh, Ex Machina, which is one of my favorite movies, and there's some really cool stuff in there, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so Ex Machina, as many of you probably know, is the 2014 movie in which a General Hux actor has to go hang out with Poe Dameron in a secret facility somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and it turns out Poe Dameron is trying to create an artificial intelligence. And yes, I could use the actual names of the the actors like Oscar Isaacs, but I think this is a lot funnier way of doing it. Um, And the movie is interesting because... It brings up two kind of weird questions that I wanted to sweat over today with you, which are kind of the first question of how do you test AI? How do we really know that artificial intelligence meets some arbitrary expectation of what humans consider to be intelligence? And then the second bigger question is, like, how do you even understand whether or not we should be able to or allowed to do something like that? Basically creating what is intelligence only for us to test it and prod at it and play with it. A little background on the movie. As I mentioned, Poe Dameron and General Hux go into middle of nowhere. They're testing an intelligence. The intelligence proves to be plenty intelligent and sort of murders both of them. And Just a little bit. Yeah, you guys had five years worth of spoilers ahead of this, so <laughs> this whatever happens next is on you. And it is a phenomenal movie because it the like imagery and the framing and the isolation really play into this just confusion that you feel around not just the testing and the actions that happen on screen, but also the questions that they invite. So I think you had a really good question you wanted to start us off with, which was? Uh, so, I mean, the question is, should we be researching AI at all? Uh, it has a large potential for uh, good, obviously. There's been a lot of really, really cool applications of AI that make people's lives better and safer. Uh, and there are also some really scary potential uses of AI that uh, could cause a, l- a lot of harm. Uh, so just in general, uh, should we be allowed to research AI uh, given that it could potentially be dangerous? Yeah, and that is a perfect opening to kind of, I think a big question that a lot of the research around AI never really tries to answer is what does a future with AI look like to begin with? So if let's assume for the most part, we decide we want to research AI and we create these amazing artificial intelligence. Does it look like Black Mirror where we're creating copies of our minds that now have to live inside boxes? Are we creating digital assistants that are at the end of the day, they might be considered not as intelligent as us, but they're able to take carry out the menial tasks that we don't want to do much better than we are. And so we don't actually rely on them entirely. We just use them to augment how we go through the world. 
So I, I personally, I think uh, at least in the short term and, and for the foreseeable future, um, you know, potentially for our lifetime, I think it's going to be the second one. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think the Google Assistant is a good example of how we can use AI to, like you said, do the menial stuff uh, without it becoming like a Black Mirror episode where they're unable to function without their AI, uh, you know, in their in their life. Um, and I also think that that is a good uh, place to start. Uh, like when I when I think of uh, you know potential uses of AI, that's a less harmful use uh, and a much more feasible technical problem to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that you bring it up as a technical problem because I, th- I think that goes into that second question: is like how do you measure that you're even making progress towards that? Um, a lot of my computer science professors say computers are dumb. They only do what we tell them to do. Uh, you know, computer can't be wrong. It, it can only, uh, you know, it only does what we tell it to do. So if it, if it doesn't get the expected output that you expect, it's because you didn't give it the right input or you did it wrong. Like you did it wrong. You as a programmer, uh, you know, messed up somewhere along the line and it led to that result that you didn't expect. Exactly. And Actually, going back to Ex Machina, to the credit of the movie, Oscar Isaac's character clearly points out that a search engine, the thing that he uses to train his AI, he brings up something interesting about it, which is, in their case, they are trying to create basically a human mind as what they call, quote-unquote, wetware. This thing that isn't hardware and isn't software, and it's some silly thing they need to have for the movie. But I think it's nice because it explains kind of like how humans think like we don't always think the same way every time a computer is like programmed there's logical blocks of code that are supposed to execute the same way and even in machine learning as we try to teach it new things it only changes a little bit between each input but humans are supposed to change our inputs quite drastically depending on our stimuli from the environment here's here's the big crux of the movie for me which is do we even have a right to create a like breathing, thinking thing if we're going to just destroy it to make the next version of it? So my opinion on this question is probably not... I'm not actually going to answer your question. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, My thought on this is I don't think that we have the technical capacity to make a, you know, living, breathing, thinking AI. Uh, I don't think that the technology that we have now is even capable of coming anywhere close to that. I don't think that we're going to ever be able to make a machine that understands that it is a machine, understands what it is to live the human experience, uh, and enough to contemplate or understand the fact that you know we have total control over it and with the press of a stop button it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think it's too many inputs. It's too many inputs because as a human, uh, you know, we've, I'm 20, 26 years old. Uh, <laughs> I've had, I'm 27 now actually, holy <laughs> shit. Uh, I think I have to edit that yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I, am I, I don't even do <laughs> Anyway. This is when you find out you're in the machine the whole time. <laughs> What it misses the matrix. Exactly. Uh, that was actually the point of the matrix. A lot of people thought was that the bigger point of the matrix was to teach machines, human suffering and human experience. They had to cre- like, 
If you're going to create an AI and you don't want it to overthrow humanity, you need to teach it what being overthrown or you, you have to teach it what a humanity that suffers and is being overthrown feels like so that it will think that that's a bad thing. Otherwise, why would it ever think that that was a bad thing? So let's focus on the context of the movie. In the movie, okay. they've created a world where you can create artificial intelligence. And by extension, you basically created a thinking human being. And then you're like, I'm not satisfied with this model, so I'm going to destroy it and create another version of it that I think is better. I think. I, an arbitrary outsider who doesn't care what the machine thinks, am going to destroy it to make something I think is better. That's like the real ethical dilemma that comes up from the creation of AI is that AI is a research process which involves a lot of destruction and creation back and forth. And kind of the point is like, at some point we're going to get there. Like even if we don't have the technology now, at some day in the future, if we keep on this path, we will find that moment where we create that machine and then decide we don't want to use it because we're not satisfied with its performance, so we destroy it. And there's like the human facsimile of that is if I found a human being at work that I was not satisfied with their work, <laughs> I would not be able to destroy them and get another human being that was them but better. I would, I could fire them, but I wouldn't outright destroy them. The end of their existence <laughs> would not be in the palm of my hand. Yeah. Yeah, you can't press stop on a person. Ideally. Ideally. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, uh, that is a, a, a different ethical dilemma. I, th I think it would, I guess it would depend on the context. That's always like, what it depends on. It's always the context. Yeah. I mean, even the AI models a lot of times is the context. Exactly. Um, in general, I mean, when you, when you simplify it to the analogy that you just made, uh, I, no, it's not, it's not ethical to do that. When you think about things being ones and zeros on a, on a computer, uh, I think I don't think I would have any issue pressing the stop button, uh, knowing that it is not alive. It is a computer model. Whether it understands that or not, it's ones and zeros on a computer. Yeah, and I think, well, I'm a software engineer. For any of you who didn't know, I like to do software engineering to get my money. Um, and a big part of that is every so often you're going to write some code and it's not going to operate how you like and you're not going to particularly care what happens to that code. And so you just like, all right, stop, terminate, delete, refactor, reformat, version control, rollback, something to get that code to a state where you like it. And I think that's really where that gray area comes in is like, what is that code supposed to be doing? I think it comes back to what you said with context. Was that code supposed to be deciphering what it means to be a human in the context <laughs> of classical literature? All right, well, you might have just killed a person when you did that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's almost, uh, I feel like if you were to train a model uh, that were to become sentient, uh, or I guess, you know, understand that it is a computer program and have feelings or what appears to be, have outputs that make us think that it has feelings, because really it, all it is is inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost feel like that would be, uh, the compute time that would go into that, uh, it, that would almost be, cons you know, whether it did what you expected or not, uh, for, you know, whatever organization built that, I feel like at that point, that model that, you know, you can just press stop on, I feel like pressing stop would be a bad thing. 
uh, for that business who has already invested so much time into that one particular model. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like researchers would want to, you know, study it and understand how it works. And, uh, you know, at that point it becomes more of a lab rat than a, uh, you know, a person. That... And there's still a lot of ethical questions around that. Yeah. All right. This is a bit of a downer of the episode, so I will continue to make it a downer. Was the dude a robot the whole time? My, my, I like to think so. My uh, mind-blowing moment when I, I so I watched the movie, mm -hmm. uh, not knowing anything, uh, mm -hmm. just know I, I knew the concept of the movie, and I went in with an open mind, and I just wanted to go in and watch and mm -hmm. see, you know, what I what I thought at the end of the movie. I didn't think that everybody was going to get murdered. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was still going to be left kind of up to the viewer, mm -hmm. uh, whether that thing was sentient or not. And I think it still is, mm -hmm. uh, up to the viewer, whether that is truly sentient or not. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I definitely, I didn't expect everybody to get murdered. That was, that was a twist for me. Yeah. I feel uh, like that's a twist for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, one thing I really liked about the movie, um, uh, and this may not exactly answer your, uh, your question, um, uh, is that the director, Alex Garland, uh, one thing that he does really, really well, and why I went to go see his other movies, uh, was he really does a good job of putting you in the shoes of uh, the main character. Mm -hmm. So Caleb in the movie was confused the mm -hmm. entire time, had, yeah. had no idea what to think, uh, was brought in with very limited knowledge of the environment he was going into, just thought he won a, won a prize to go see the CEO CEO of fake Google. Mm -hmm. uh, and was brought in and, you know, was used to test this other, this other machine. Uh, and he was confused the whole time, had no idea what to think. And that's how I felt as a viewer. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know who to feel bad for. Uh, yeah. I didn't know who to dislike. Uh, you know, it was just, it was very confusing. Um, and I really liked that. I, I, it was a good cinematic experience for me as a viewer. Mm -hmm. uh, then I read a Reddit post that uh, went into great detail on uh, the theory that Caleb was a robot the entire time, uh, and he was the you know the next model uh, of yeah. the you know that that the Google guy made. Yeah, like Oscar Isaac's character literally says, "The next model will be better." And if you think of it the way like he's saying it in regard to, I think her name was Ava. Yeah, but. He could have also been saying it about, um, well, the character's name was Caleb, played by General Hux, who's, I mean, let me look up the actor real fast. The actor's name is Domnall Gleeson. Domnall Gleeson. Okay, I can say words, yeah. yeah so I, I thought it was, uh, I thought that that line in particular stood out uh, because, and the, the Reddit post goes into, if, let's say, Ava was sentient, and he made that model, and it was great, and it you know was everything that we saw in the movie. Uh, but in his opinion, uh, you know, as its quote unquote creator, mm -hmm. that was not good enough. It didn't didn't have the image that he was trying to uh, pass down, you know, or, or make. Mm -hmm. uh, so what would be missing off of that that robot that very much convinced me that it was a a you know almost practically living thing. Uh, you know, what, what could possibly be missing from that? And if you think about humans uh, versus computers and versus all of his other models that he made, you know, a lot of his other models, once they realize they're a robot, they go insane, they end up killing themselves. But uh, something that Ava didn't have, as shown by the end of the movie, where she, mur you know, thoughtlessly murders everyone, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, humans, at least, you know, I like to think that most humans uh, have compassion mm -hmm. uh, to other living things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is something that uh, Ava did, obviously did not have because she murdered her creator and then locked her, you know, quote unquote friend mm -hmm. uh, person in a room to die. Uh, or, you know, presumably starved to death. Mm -hmm. But if he's a robot, then he's just going to break his arms like all the other robots. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, the post goes into uh, what if Caleb was secretly the, the next model the whole time and the test was not person versus robot. Is this, you know, do you think that this robot is a person? It was robot versus robot. And the robot was in the mindset that or in the you know the, the context it thinks that it is human mm -hmm. so would that human have compassion to uh you know this uh, this robot that it's you know it thinks that it's testing the robot but it's actually testing itself uh, wow that's yeah and that kind of goes back to that chess comment he makes which is how can a chess bot know that it's or how do you test a chess bot for intelligence when all you do is make you play chess Exactly. And that's just one more uh, small detail that's in the movie that, that points towards this theory. Uh, one other thing that, that really stood out uh, in the movie was the scene where uh, Caleb thinks, like he, he sees all of the other robots mm -hmm. and actually questions his own existence. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, as, a, as a person, uh, you know, having lived through the human experience, I cannot... I can think of no circumstance where I would actually question if I am human or not. Mm -hmm. uh, if you told me I was a robot, right? I uh, no, I'm not. I don't believe you. I've lived this this life. I've been through the human experience. There's nothing that would make me get to the point where I would have to cut myself to see that I would bleed. Mm -hmm. And then let's be honest: if I'm a robot, is that really proof that I'm human? That's actually a really good point. Is that that was a very that was a very shallow test of whether or not he was a person. Exactly. And it, it stands out as, you know, a rational human being would not get to the point where uh, that, you know, that he needs to prove to himself that he is human, uh, no matter how crazy things are there, because things mm -hmm. were very, very crazy and very challenging. Uh, and then, you know, in the, in the movie, they made, you know, he made incredible robots, incredible things, you know, just adding, you know, blood to it to convince a, you know, a robot version of Caleb, like, oh, I'm bleeding, I must be human. That's not going to be that hard in this sci-fi world where mm -hmm. this level of AI can exist. Uh, he already, he built wetware. Who's yeah. to say that the blood is not wetware? And actually, if, he, if their Google proxy has so much knowledge of people, it's possible to think that that wasn't even, that it was Caleb, it just wasn't actually Caleb. Like, he made... He manufactured a Caleb based on the real world Caleb. Like he did uh, the raffle to figure out which persona would make the most sense for this test and then just copied that into the robot because like he doesn't actually want to bring an actual person to his actual super secret location where they actually would do stuff. Also, apparently you can stay in that hotel. That's a hotel. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I got to go find it. I got to go I check that out. I don't know if I want to stay at it, though. No, uh, not with murdering robots running around. Nope. Uh, so that's, anyway. That's a really interesting point, though. Uh, another another um, detail that um, I just I, th I thought was very interesting, the way that they framed the context for the movie, mm -hmm. we know almost no information about Caleb 
outside of we think that he works at this company yeah. and we think that he won a programming competition. Yeah. And then they bring him right in and drop him right into the situation and you're confused from the very start. There's nothing really in the movie to show us that he is actually human. You know, they don't show his history. That that little clip is all that we see outside the context of the test. I think what you said about how the director always likes to drop you into that situation. Actually, going back to what I said about the Matrix and how the machines are actually, the people are actually the machines being tested. I think if the case there was to show machines what it's like to be human, this movie's whole goal was to show humans what it's like to be a machine. Yeah, that's that's very possible. Uh, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies uh, because it makes me think. And it was uh, it was really fun watching through the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after reading the post, I'm really looking forward to seeing it a second time, watching, reading it or, or viewing it from uh, Caleb's perspective, you know, with that additional context. And on that note, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I will plug. Uh, so I'm a software engineer, um, and I got my start in software engineering through a program called First Robotics. Uh, it's a high school program. Uh, First, as an organization, has has programs that you can go from elementary all the way up to high school. I was a part of First Robotics, uh, and it's a program where you get six and a half weeks to, uh, they release a, a challenge that you have to build a robot to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to program it, design it, build it, um, sometimes pay for it, uh, all within that six and a half week uh, span of time. And it's a really, they're really challenging uh, engineering technical problems to give to high schoolers. Uh, and then you take it to competition and you compete your robot on teams of three with other robots. Uh, and it's just, it's a really, really great program. It got me excited about STEM. Um, I didn't know what computer science was. Mm-hmm. And I uh, talked to, I, I saw a uh, the first robotics robot that my team had built um, that I was not involved in. And I saw, I saw it run, it was student built, uh, and that really, uh, that got me asking questions about, you know, how, how does it drive around? How does it know to go forward when you push the joysticks forward? Uh, and so that got me into a uh, computer science class, a uh, computer science major in school, and now I'm a, a full-time software engineer. So really great program. Everybody should go check out First Robotics. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Taylor. And uh, this has been Swing the Small Stuff. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Small Stuff Show. And if you have small stuff you're sweating, please let us know at our email address, uh, smallstuffshow at gmail.com. And this is your personal brain trainer, Cameron buzard Mary, reminding you from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Pretty good. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs>